Hey, and welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast, recording from Austin, Texas. I have in studio with me the one and only Mrs. Katie Sass. Hello. And also the one and only Pastor Joseph Aiken. What's going on? All right, and we are here talking about uh, faith, culture, and everything in between. And we got some questions from you, our listeners, and we're going to see how these are relevant to our faith and culture. So first question is, the Great Commission, which uh, is, um, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That was Jesus' command to uh, the disciples uh, before he ascended. Versus James 3 1. Not many of you should become teachers, for you know that you'll be higher, you'll be held to a stricter judgment. Hmm. Now, <clears throat> the question then says, what is the distinction between a teacher and a disciple maker? We're called to make disciples, but not many of us should become teachers. Joseph, when you hear that question, what sort of rises up in your mind? Because there's probably some of that feels like a little uh, contradictory or or, or do you feel how do you how do you put those together? Uh, I don't think he's. I definitely believe he's. Those are contradicting. Okay. Uh, discipling or leading people to Christ uh, through a relationship with Christ is not mm. the same thing as teaching. It's almost becoming a professional teacher. Right. Uh, is is what I hear him saying. One of the first things that happened when I said, "Hey, I wanted to be a, a minister. I wanted to preach the gospel." Uh, that was told to me by my pastor at the time. He said, "Are you sure?" Like he discouraged me mm-hmm. uh, heavily to say, really pray about this, fast about it, think on this, because this isn't one uh, just a task that you do. Uh, right. It's not something easy. This will be hard. You're held uh, account. Your the accountability for you teaching the gospel is higher than th- that. And so I think this is more so talking about the professional teacher aspect of bringing the gospel because teachers like as a pastor yes Mm -hmm. teachers uh because you think he's talking more so about the rabbis of the time not Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. leading people through relationship with christ and those kind of things but like the rabbis those teachers compared to uh the great commission and so so for me it, it is a heavier weight because teachers can do a lot of good or they can do a lot of harm and competent teachers can do a lot of harm if you don't understand what you're teaching and you're not seeking to perfect your craft and not everyone wants to study not everyone cares about all chris chris loves the greek and the hebrew that he was talking about kind of what these words mean he talked about in his sermon this past week and so like you have to have a hunger for those things knowing that not everyone gets all this information Mm -hmm. when you think of all the time we spend in preparing for 30 to 40 minutes not everyone wants to do that, you know. Oh yeah, I've been to preaching practice. It is no, not preaching oh, not practice. Preaching like, like, or like preaching planning. The preaching planning, the study time oh, that we don't so see. So boring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got to have some stamina to like stamina. sit through that. So oh, it is. I'm just saying it's hard. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. It's, it's oh. pe- people think that we just get up there and just we read and then we go. <laughs> I mean, we've told, we told your story and, and many people like the goal is for you to make things sticky for you. And so we can't say how what's sticky for us is for you because mm-hmm. we're different type of learners. And, yeah. and so so just taking that all that into consideration when I when I read these, I don't think that they're, they're contradicting. Not everyone's called to be a teacher. Right. The Bible teaches that the te- it's, it's a heavier weight for the teachers uh, because you're this is something sacred. You know? mm-hmm. so, 
Yeah, and again, it, what's really interesting is it, I love what you put that is something sacred. Uh, it's, it gets into calling, and it gets really difficult mm-hmm. sometimes to discern. In the Reformation, there was a real um, oh, flattening of the sacred from the secular. So everything became everything. Like sacred became everything, or, or secular became everything, meaning um, don't be different uh, in the pulpit as you are uh, in the pew, or maybe don't be different in the pulpit as you are in the regular life. Um, mm-hmm. And so I feel like I, I really like that that what your pastor said, and I tell people this all the time, if you can do anything else, if you can do anything else other than to be a pastor, do that thing. And what I mean by that is if you can be satisfied in your life doing something other than uh, being a pastor or a minister, uh, do that because two reasons. One, uh, it is a lot of weight to carry around, and you're constantly taking um, – everyone's a critic, right, of leadership. So that's mm-hmm. just part of it. And so you have to have wide shoulders uh, to take that on and not quit or crumple. Wide shoulders? Uh, th- that just means strong enough to – be resilient. Okay. It's not literally like you actually. Well, be, no, 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 no. It, I a figurative that, language. But I've just never heard that. I've heard like thick skin. Okay, thick skin, yeah. wide, like wide shoulders is like you're, you know, you can take a punch or two and you're. You can carry you're the yeah. boulder yeah. of. Yeah, and you, wide shoulders, take yes. the. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. What else was I saying? Yeah, so that, that's it. And I tell people don't go into this if you think, if you just want a stage to preach from because you'll last five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's really hard. You have to have a, just a deep desire for God's word, a deep desire for God's people, and uh, a part of that you really want to carry it out. And that doesn't mean, that's e- that's just even for, not just preaching ministry, but for ministry in general. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, w- when you hear that, uh, Katie, difference between, just I, I love your perspective because it's here's a lay perspective, uh, a woman that you're, I'd say a very involved person at our church. What would you say for, about a disciple maker versus a teacher? And yeah, what what does that mean for you? You know, I don't know that I really think that hard about it. Okay. I, I, I think teaching God's word is a big responsibility, just like y'all have been saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God does call all of us to be disciple makers. Mm-hmm. And so God doesn't call all to be teachers mm-hmm. of his word mm-hmm. uh, because he's gifted everyone differently. Although when you are a disciple maker, you are teaching God's word. But I think there's a big distinction between pastoral teaching mm-hmm. and as a disciple, you are teaching mm-hmm. God's word. Yeah. So, I, I mean, maybe this just requires some discernment in who it is. Um, but there is a, a very giant distinction between <clears throat> pastorally teaching God's word. And, you know, if you're in a discipleship group or if you're in a Bible study and you are, you know, contributing to the teaching of God's word. Yeah. So I, I feel like you, you, one of the things that we try and do is always handle the word of God with care. And that means yes. 
and I'm going to throw out some nerdy words, exegesis is drawing the meaning out of the text. So, you know, I, I've said this before when talking about different translations, but when you talk about, when I, if in Spanish, if I were to say lo siento, what I mean is I'm sorry, but what I said is I feel it. And so taking a Bible verse from 2,000 years ago and contextually translating it into a modern day uh, English context is a little bit challenging, but it, it's doable. It, it just takes a little bit of training. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's, it's valuable to kind of when you're speaking for God, when you're wanting to proclaim him, and as an evangelist, you're doing that. Um, but it, it becomes, that's the, the real deal of pastoral ministry, and, and very few people are called to it. And if you are called mm-hmm. to it, it's really amazing and wonderful and beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's very challenging. And if you're not called to it, you will fry. Meaning not yeah. you'll just burn out because you're gonna you're under a weight that's too heavy to bear, and, and that I'm, wasn't your call. That wasn't God's calling, right? Your life. And I think and and you know this is where when you get into permissive will versus moral will. Now I'm into nerdy things, but like God allowed that to happen for people that weren't meant to be pastors to be pastors because they wanted it and they probably got whatever they were looking for, like either the audience, the approval of man. Uh, but eventually, that that makes Christianity. Um, if someone doesn't experience a conviction of God and they're not walking out in their own lives and they're trying to, um, to share it with others, it, what, what ends up happening is you have this um, uh, call of accountability without consistency, mm-hmm. and that um, always leads to hypocrisy. And I think that's what may, maybe sometimes we've seen in ministry, not always, but that, that could be an issue. So uh, I think that was a good question because I think that is something to really sort of wrestle with. Um, because I think all are called to make disciples, if not only make disciples of your own family, um, mm-hmm. but you are called to make disciples wherever, you know, as you are going, wherever you are, go and make disciples wherever you're at. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question. <clears throat> kind of in that same vein of evangelism, uh, talking to non-believers, how would you explain the wrath of God uh, to a non-believer? And, or in other words, how do bad things happen in the world now to a non-believer? And I, I thought that was interesting that there was sort of po- it was it was posed into one question, which I wanted to break into two, just because the wrath of God and bad things happening are not always connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's first off go with that, Joseph. How would you explain the wrath of God uh, to a non-believer? How would I explain the wrath of God? Well, it definitely wouldn't be the first thing I explained to them. <laughs> well, it might be this person is like, they have a relationship with this. I'm assuming, well, I guess you shouldn't assume, but I'm assuming that if you're at the wrath of God part, you're, mm-hmm. you're not on Yeah, a, yeah, you have yeah, some Maybe some people can maybe. be street corner evangelists and they want to kind of throw it out there. But I think what we're talking about is in a relational context, how would you explain the wrath of God to a non-believer? Yeah, I mean, I of course, I will pull in, and we talked about this a little bit this week already, but justice, mm-hmm. uh, seeing... Mm-hmm. Uh, and how God is completely justice, he's holy, and we would get into the wrath of God and understanding what the wrath of God is, is that God, and the sin is the, like, has God doesn't want to see that at all. Right. And so the consequence of the sin that was brought into the world from the very beginning means that we begin to see what uh, the wrath of God and that he's, he has standards for us. And we, we see that. We see that all through the Bible that he has standards for us. And so uh, we experience the wrath of God or we've experienced the wrath of God. I don't think that everything, of course, happens, that everything that happens is the wrath of God. And so, so for me, explain to a non-believer, I mean, the wrath of God is a consequence of sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a consequence of sin. So 
and, and I think I think we've talked about your peanut pals, uh, Katie. You know, all the people you met on your peanut app. Yes. And and I'm imagining at some point you're gonna have to you're gonna sh- you're kind of the goal is that you're gonna share the gospel mm-hmm. uh, with people. Now I know that there were times where you'd share the gospel in the club. How did and did you ever mention the wrath of God then? Or and I would love just kind of like your maybe maturation of your evangelism uh, from being a, a single in your 20s to oh, a all of my mar- awkward attempts to share the gospel uh-huh. yeah I, I would love oh. to hear this well i uh i i don't what do you want from okay, me okay, like, what do what you want? i do <laughs> right, let's you just, want me to like go down the line no no, no let's just, the okay how about that we, well, how about we start with your peanut app okay because so the point of the peanut app is what yeah uh to meet women who do not love jesus who are unchurched uh and to hopefully bring them into the family of God. The family of God. All right. So at some point, you're probably going to have to have a conversation when they go, what's all this blood and stuff that you guys sing about? That's, I remember when I was, when I was in Dallas, I, um, I had a, a gay activist friend that I invited to church and he's like, blood, blood, blood. This is the biggest bloodbath I've ever heard. You guys are just singing about blood. How disgusting is this? And it, you know, without context, it's very hard for non-believer to maybe even sing some of nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, <laughs> it's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so how do you? So as you're, you know, you're approaching your peanut people, and you're gonna bring them, or they're gonna experience church at some point, and they're gonna hear about it, and then the conversation that you're gonna have afterwards is gonna be like, so, why is God so angry? What, what would, what would you say to that? I don't know. Can I say I don't know? Yeah, you can say I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't. I I would probably say. Is this where you in punt? The moment, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I would probably say in the moment. You know, I that's not something I am know how to explain well. Okay. And I think that's okay. Yeah, and so I think, and I, as this person here, they are asking the question. I don't know. And so let me let me give it take a stab yeah. at it. Yeah. So the wrath of God. Is, one of the things we talked about from uh, this past week's sermon is God's justice. It is the other side of God's compassion. Without you cannot have compassion without having justice. Because if you don't have justice, you can't see that there's something wrong in the world for you to have compassion for. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So when you see somebody crying, you know that the normal state is not crying. So something must be wrong. And then there's somebody who must have caused those tears. What is the thing that caused the tears that I'm having compassion for and at the same time want to bring justice to? And so I feel like that's the same. It's the two sides of the same coin of justice and compassion go hand in hand. And so Jesus does the ultimate thing in that he shows his great compassion for us because we're also the perpetrators of injustice. And so he takes care of of the justice side, which we deserve death, and he dies on the cross so that we can receive his compassion and mercy in his presence. And that's a simple way. I, I don't know if that is simple. When I say that, does that sound simple or is that complicated? No. So what did you, you said? It sounds that complicated. His. So you the, cannot have without, com, without. No, I cannot, agree, yeah, the compassion. Yeah, you justice, can't have yeah, compassion yeah. without justice. So God's wrath is. His love and action. His love and action. Because it's coming after that which would uh, harm his creation, that which would, would try to um, right, take away uh, from your... Whenever I try to take over God's role, I'm saying I want to be king and rule over you. So do you think sometimes God's compassion towards us can look like God's his wrath to others? Sure. 
So, so maybe, maybe like, like, like God is showing compassion on us, but to us, it looks like it feels like wrath. Well, I guess, well, sort of like if it's because Jesus, the, the thing is Jesus gives compassion, but he also absorbs the wrath. So whenever there's a theological word called propitiation, Jesus is the propitiation for our mm-hmm. sins, which means he satisfies the wrath of God. Yeah. So all people all over the place have the same access to Jesus who satisfies God's wrath. So I think what happens, I think what this person is, is when they ask the question, because they kind of combine the two things, bad things happening, being God's wrath. I remember in 2006, uh, Hurricane Katrina hit. And everybody was like, this is God's wrath on uh, New Orleans. And I was like, that is dumb. The reason why that's dumb is because God's wrath was poured out on Jesus. So it, And so the only part that's left, and this is why this is so important for Revelation, because Revelation, uh, that, the, that the believers in Christ are taken out of the world, and God's wrath doesn't go upon them. So once Jesus came on the cross... God's wrath went fully into Jesus for all who would believe. And so you do not experience God's wrath as a Christian. That's impossible because Jesus took the wrath of God from you. Does that make sense? And so that might be where the person's saying, well, it sure seems like a lot of bad things are happening, but that's not God's wrath. Bad things happening to unbelievers. Right. And even that's not God's wrath. So we could kind of tie this into, you know, when Amber's son died. Okay. Thank you. So... Her son. Real quick, rec- yeah, recap it. So on, she met her on Peanut. Met her on Peanut. She's her and her husband are are unbelievers, mm-hmm. um, and her son, her seventeen month old son, passed away in his sleep. Right. So, can how like she even asked me? She like talked about like how can God out of all of the people in the world, why did God have to take my son? Right, and that. Oof. And I'm like, I don't. I don't know. I, I was just silent. I'm like, so I don't, what do you I, say? No. So first off, you don't know. So that was a good, yeah. good, re, good, good reply on not being like, well, let me speak for God. Yeah. I wasn't going to uh, say anything but, to that. <laughs> and if we're on, and, and listen, a person in that amount of pain can't possibly, they're, they're not, they're asking rhetorical questions because they're in pain and they're like wanting answers and mm-hmm. there's not nothing that you could say could, no, that could satisfy. Absolutely nothing. But then on the other hand, if you looked at it, why not me? I think that's the, the problem that I think we ask a lot of times is why me when we could be asking why? Why not me? Why is God? Why, if God gave this to me, it might be that He wants me to do something with this pain. God doesn't waste a hurt. If you can't see God's greater hand in things, then a lot of pain is going to be wasted because it has no purpose because you don't have purpose. And when you don't have purpose, then all of a sudden, what is the purpose of our life to live a comfort? And this, I'm not, I would never in a million billion years ever confront her with this. But the reality is when a person says something like that, and maybe they're not thinking through this fully. I mean, who thinks rationally when you've lost a child? Nobody. But what happens is you can kind of get to this place of like, I'm at the center and, and she doesn't believe in God, yet she's asking, why would God allow this to happen? Okay, and then she'd say, because God allowed this to happen, there couldn't be a God, so he didn't allow right. it to happen. It just was a random thing, and I just got the random universal Her pain. father-in-law, uh, I, what, do you, what would you call it, like retract? He, he decided to not believe in God anymore after this. Right. He said, there's no way I'm going to believe in a God that would allow this to happen. And to me, that's, and I know this is, um, again, when you're dealing with people's pain, you can't be this 
Um, you can't speak logic. Yeah, into you're, it. you're right. You, you can't. can't. But it, that doesn't. That's like such a weird place to give up faith, because if that means there's no heaven, that means you know. I mean, like you're. Does that just? And what he's saying is like, well, for me to kind of go on with life, I have to think that that kid just doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. I have to think that I have no purpose here. I have to think that I'm a random set of circumstances and everything in this world is random. And so any good that I do doesn't even matter. And a true atheist is going to, they will agree with that, that nothing matters. You pick your own morality. A morality is a social construct that we, we kind of pick up so that there is no human value in you. There's no human value in you. So therefore, the only reason we get together and have rules and laws is just convenient. Well, so when he, <clears throat> when... The morning that he passed away, mm-hmm. and they were having to give his body to Ugh. the uh, the uh, paramedics. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that they prayed, and they prayed to God because they. She said, "You know, if we're wrong, we want him to be comfortable, and we want him to be cared for and loved." But we there's also the other side where they felt angry mm-hmm. because. I mean, it's kind of hard to not feel like, as an unbeliever, that that's wrath, that that's God's wrath right. when God takes your son. Sure. And, and this is why I'd say it's not God's wrath. I, I appreciate that perspective. It's not God's wrath. It's a consequence of our own sin. So this goes back to Adam and Eve, to which I know a non-believer would be like, Adam and Eve, what does Adam and Eve have to do with anything when my son is dead? Well, the consequence of sin is death. And so the fact that we have death goes back to our ancestors and their first decision to say, I want to be my own God. Thank you very much. And we propagate that when we say, God, I won't believe in you if you don't. Well, now all of a sudden I've become the master and now you are God then is no longer God. He is now my servant. And so what happens, theology matters. And if theology matters, then what we make up in our heads Anybody could have their own view, and I think that's what they're saying. Like, um, because I don't believe in a God, because He hasn't revealed Himself to me, uh, because uh, something really awful happened, and it's so bad I can't imagine why I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to put my worst enemy through this pain. How could God let that happen? It, it's saying that, and this gets back to uh, the consequence of our sin that we bring upon us has effects down generations beyond. Again, that doesn't make it easier to swallow, but it, it, again, the, the the logically follows. And again, when you're in pain, you think logic, smogic. You're just like, I wanna, I wanna blame something, and so you can get angry at God and not believe at Him at the same time. That, of course, is mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I, I, I appreciate that uh, that you have a real life example here that you're dealing with, and I, and I think you know, as pastors, when we uh, Joseph and I have dealt with many people in this place of pain, wondering what in the world God is doing, and from a a Christian perspective, are struggling with death and why God would like that. That is a real struggle, and so the the, the problem of pain uh, and suffering, you know, why would God allow us to happen? If God is all good, if God is all powerful, then then why is there any pain and suffering? Because the thing that He allowed us to have is free will which then broke down um, the whole system from the get-go. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And again, let's have a theological discussion with somebody that's in like writhing in pain and tears. That, that does not right. work. Oh, but at yeah. some point, and this is where, y- that's why having these conversations on the front end 
allows people to have a perspective of life that God is for them, not trying to cancel them out. Because if he's good and he's all powerful, why would he allow this to happen? Because he allowed people to make choices. That makes sense. That's heavy, right? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, that's all we're going to kind of talk about for today. Uh, So grateful for all of you here uh, joining us. Uh, if you've got any other further questions about anything we've talked about, you can text us at 737-231-0605 or just check out the phone number in the show notes and text us. We would love to talk about anything you're wanting to talk about on the podcast. So thank you, Katie. Thank you, Pastor Joseph. Thank you for all you who are listening. Go ahead. Awesome. <laughs>